I got a story for you. The culmination of 25 years worth of tragedy, fear, adrenaline, guilt, aggression, destruction is enough to break down anyone's mental state. Fortunately, this guest had the guts to ask for help and is now trying to empower those with PTSD. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is that cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original things that you had no idea existed because there's just so damn much on the World Wide Web. But if you are looking for a variety of merch made from the one made from one of the most creative minds on the West Coast, go to AndrePsyche.com. On Andre's site, you're going to find original art, prints, podcasts, music, clothing, videos, accessories, poem, a memoir of sorts. And for you listeners looking for a totally customized, individualized gift, Andre is a freelance creator. Yes, just message him with the details of what you're looking for and he'll think it up and deliver. Tangibility, my friends. He always delivers with the product. Go to AndrePsyche.com. For totally unique merch that always has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Please take a moment and click the subscribe button for the Getting to Know You Pod on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever application you push to play on. And while you're there, do me another favor. Just leave a review or a comment. Also, if you are on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter. Search getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And if you aren't already, friend or follow us. You can see the pictures and get updates. Um, see the pictures of the people who you're going to be listening to and um, just get updates about what's going on with the podcast. All of this support helps us to be better positioned for sponsorship. And speaking of sponsors, if you or someone you know has a brand or business, much like Andre, and want to expand your reach all across the U.S. of A. and internationally, please contact us through any of our social media platforms. Our rates are extremely reasonable, and our audience is growing by the day. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it My cup of tea On today's show We are getting to know Christy Who I found out also coaches basketball Out in California Amongst has her own podcast. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for I we had to reschedule one day, so thanks for being flexible with that. I um I always it, it's funny cuz as much as you want to be like a professional in podcast and whatnot and then like your real job that actually pays the bills come up and you're like, "Oh shit. Let me reschedule. Let me see if I can get some flexibility exactly. here." Um so no, I really appreciated that. Exactly. Oh, no problem. It- yeah, I'm pretty flexible myself. Good for you. Is that from yoga or is that just from being beaten down in life? 
beaten down in life. <laughs> I'm not very flexible in yoga at all. <laughs> no. Well, I guess why I thought yoga too, um, just because one stereotypical California, like you have to do yoga, right? Oh, and that's right. You have to mm-hmm. whatever get. I'm not going to say you smoke. We weed, all do yoga. Yeah, drink some really good it, wine. Do yeah. yoga. You're super liberal. No conservatives allowed in California type thing. And um, pro pot. That's basically. And it's and it's sunny and warm all the time and all of us surf. <laughs> That's the other thing. Well, so I did see a couple <laughs> of wetsuit pictures of you on Facebook. And oh, I, was, I swim. I got you. And I was wondering about that. It looked almost looked like you were like triathletes kind of a thing. Yes. that's Yeah, that's what it comes from. Okay. Yeah, I wish I surfed because it looks amazing. But uh, yeah, no, I do. I started doing some triathlete stuff uh, a few years ago. And I really like it, and my favorite part is the open water swimming. I so heard, I try to do that as much as I can. I heard that open water um, can get kind of deadly with like the kicking in the elbows if you're crowded in those spaces. Or am I? Oh yeah, when all? you're when you're doing a race, yeah, it can get pretty gnarly in the beginning. Uh, but. Yeah, and some people like to swim right over the top of you, and God, but that's so um, but I like to just yeah. So in the races, it's like that. But I also just like to like swim out in the water. I like to be, um, you know, it's like I like to say, oh hey, there's a rock way over there. I want to swim out to it. Stuff like that. <laughs> Do you take a just sharpie and like sign your name? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Christy Big was old here. Pa- can of spray paint. <laughs> How'd you, um, how'd you get into that? The triathlete life? Well, I, you know, a long time ago, you know, I live in the San Francisco Bay area. Oh, so you're I a millionaire. To, Good for you. Yes, I am a millionaire too. <laughs> That's Thank the other you. thing about Californians, right? You got, so you have your own startup, you're a techie and you're also a millionaire. Yes. Congratulations. You pretty much have to be a millionaire to live out here. It's unbelievable. Man, that's what I've heard. Sorry, I didn't mean so, to cut you off, but like Bay no, Area, okay. I've heard those fucking no, like is. million dollar condos for like 300 square feet of like a kitchen. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, and gas is like 10 times more expensive out here than anywhere else. I know it's our taxes, but it's also, it's like, what the hell? It's made like right down the street for me and I have to pay more for uh, gas here than anywhere else. What's a gallon running right now? Like three, fifty. Holy think. shit. Yeah, dude, we're at like a dollar ninety six like in Delaware. Holy fuck! I've never even heard of gas being that cheap. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my god, that's insane! It was down to a dollar sixty like a month ago. Wow. Yeah, Three fifty. Yeah, that's pretty. God. That's pretty amazing. We do have a ridiculous amount of taxes, but uh, on it, but it's still just ridiculous. Right. So, so but, to, oh, to so fight okay. driving, so you get into stuff. swimming. That's how you get to work. You swim to work. <laughs> I swim to work. Exactly. So, uh, I used to think like, I don't know, just whenever throughout my life, like how cool would it be to swim from Alcatraz to the shore? Oh. You know, just like the prisoner supposedly did. Right. And, um, so I was kind of looking for something to do and I'm like, I think I'm going to do the Alcatraz swim. And so I said to my wife, I go, I think I'm going to do the Alcatraz swim. Dude, that's a great idea, especially since you hate to swim. Uh, and like, yeah, since you have a, mi- true. a million dollars in life insurance. Sure, honey, go ahead. Exactly. Out there. Yeah, have a good time. <laughs> so I started swimming to get ready 
before it and I wasn't getting any faster. And, uh, so I finally decided to go find some, uh, like a swim coach to actually teach me how to swim for real. Oh, okay. Instead of just trying to keep from drowning. So I found a swim coach and he actually is a triathlete coach and he had a little triathlete, I don't know, like studio thing, you know, what? where he had a whole group of people yeah. that he trained. And so I started to get to know them and they're really fun. And I did the swim and it was, I just loved it. It was a blast. And so I was like, I've always also wanted to try to do triathlon. So I just started, uh, started training for him and I, I really like it a lot. And did you ever get to do the Alcatraz swim? Cause I've heard there's no, currents or killers. It, it, yeah. Well, I did the Alcatraz swim and then, um, the only way to get into the, escape from Alcatraz triathlon is you have to get in by lottery. And so oh. one year, I, a couple of years ago, I put my name in, like, there's no way I'm going to get it. And then I got it. And then I, uh, I had to have knee surgery cause I tore my meniscus and then, so I couldn't race. And so they gave me a deferment to this year and then it got canceled because of the COVID crap. Oh shit. And so, I'm hoping to do it next year, but yeah, I, I got a spot, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it should be pretty fun. I'd never heard of the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. Yeah, actually, it's pretty popular. People yeah. come from uh, all over the world to right, do it. Right, if it's got a lottery, but, for sure. Yeah, the swim. I've done the swim. Yeah, I've done the swim before. It was pretty fun. What, they um, put you on a ferry, and they ferry you across the bay, and then you, you know, pretty much pull up right next to Alcatraz, and you jump off the ferry and oh, swim nice. in. It's pretty fun. How, like how nervous were you? Cause so, um, I'm a middle school teacher and we actually do, uh, like, um, an Alcatraz. I think we do as like a nonfiction unit kind of a thing. And there's been a bunch of like those, mm. um, did the guys actually escape? What, what about the water temperature? Right. What about the currents? What about the tide? Blah, 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 blah. And, um, for everything I know, man, like that, it, it's basically like impossible, but yet it's clearly not. So I, how nervous are you out there with that? You know, actually I wasn't nervous at all. I just, I mean, I've been a firefighter for a million years. So it takes to me, it takes a lot for me to get nervous. You know, it's like, I, and in fact, that's one of the reasons why I did it was I was looking for a challenge or, oh. you know, something to, to scare the crap out of me, which it didn't. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the prisoners, I don't know if they'd make it. Cause you need to know kind of like, not just how to swim to keep from drowning, but you need to know how to like actually swim so you can make it. And then the water, if you're not used to the cold water, I mean, I wore a wetsuit, but I started recently swimming in the bay without a wetsuit. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they could do it. It'd be kind of tough without swimming before, and especially if they did it at night. And the currents are kind of weird. You really got to know what the currents do or you're going to miss like the opening for aquatic park where, where a lot of people swim into is pretty small. And if you, if you miss it, you're done. Cause right. the current just will keep taking you right past it. What was the, so, yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's fun. What was the key to like the swimming change, the swimming technique? Give me like a free swimming uh, lesson so I can be better. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, it, you use so much of your core and then with well, the way your arms, uh, swim or your arms churn i don't even know how to explain it it's like there's certain angles and like instead of just using your hand as a paddle you use your hand and your forearm you know and oh that's actually a good uh, way to think about it you just want to keep your body like yeah really streamlined and 
Yeah, I can't kick worth crap, but uh, <laughs> but there is a technique. There is a technique to that too. I know if I get on a a board and do just kicking, I usually don't end up moving at all. Yeah, that's to push fun. off the. Yeah, I gotta Same push here. off the bottom of the pool. Right. <laughs> but, Same. But yeah, there's definitely a real like technique to swimming that makes it just an extraordinary difference. Yeah, they um real swimmers and like again like real swimmers, you know, you watch the Olympics and you realize how much yes. they fucking train and they are just streamlined. They they're it, yes. it's like dancers, just so graceful. Yes. And then you can easily think you're like swimming like that in the pool, but like I've never seen video of myself swimming, but I feel I would be shocked. <laughs> like I feel like if yeah. someone actually recorded me, I'd be like, "Jesus, I'm just flailing." There's no yes. like pattern, there's no rhythm. Oh, it's, um, it's definitely something I've always, um, admired the people who can do that. How yeah. Those guys are amazing. They, they, like you said, they're like dancers. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. How far is the swim from Alcatraz? It's about to a mile. Land? It's about a mile and a half. Okay. And what time does that take you? Cause I have like no, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's hard for me to understand like what a mile swimming wise would be like a seven minute, a mile pace kind of a thing or. Well, no, God, no. In the pool, in the pool, like a decent mile swim is 40 minutes. 40 and minutes? I, it took me 50, yeah, 40 minutes to do oh a mile. Oh my God. And so my, I took me 52 minutes to swim that. And then you also have to count in that I was wearing a wetsuit and it was in salt water. So that gives you a bunch of, um, buoyancy, right? Gives you some point yeah it gives you buoyancy and really keeps you on top of the water and, and so it makes it easier to swim gotcha. in a wetsuit 52 minutes of like do you stop and tread water or are you going the whole time I, <clears throat> I stopped a few times uh because it was just you never get that view you know at the uh. at the level of the bay of the water and so in that day it was beautiful and so yeah i stopped a couple times just to look at the view and I guess, you know, the golden gate bridge is right there and it's just, it was so beautiful. I know I had a kayaker come over to me like really quickly. Are you okay? And I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm great. It's just, I'm just trying to take it all in. And he's like, damn it. I've been waiting for some action all day. <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly. I want to save somebody. <laughs> I need purpose. <laughs> Man, that's dude. That's nice that you're like that though. Like you don't get that ultra competitive where, um, you know, you can still like take in the moment and be like, fuck it, man. What's another 30 seconds. What's a minute here. You know, like that, I feel like that's the right way to kind of do those sorts of things is to appreciate the environment. Cause it's so true. Like you do those things and you can easily take for granted the, the atmosphere, the perspective that you gain from being somewhere you never have. Yeah. I miss all that. I used to be insanely competitive, oh, but, really? um, that has changed. So but so, yeah, it's very nice to just to sit and enjoy the moment. And, you know, I don't pay my mortgage with my winnings from swimming. Um, not so yet. I don't, <laughs> Wait till not, that first sponsor comes in. <laughs> yeah. I can't sell my T-shirt and pay my, <clears throat> my mortgage. But, um, yeah, no, I used to be insanely competitive. In, like, what way? Um, I had to beat everybody. I had to win everything. Either I was like the best at something or I totally sucked. Oh. You know, it was like, it was black and white. It was, it was pretty miserable actually. 
most competitive people when they look back see it as being miserable it, absolutely miserable i mean it, it in some cases it did it was good for me it drove me you know pretty hard to do what i did <clears throat> but um but yeah it was miserable i'm like so much happier now that i could give a shit I just want to <laughs> you know enjoy enjoy myself and compete against myself right so are are you talking about like firefighter softball leagues or is this like ever since you were like four and discovered hopscotch and you're like, I'm going to be the baddest bitch on the block. Ever since I was four <laughs> and hated hopscotch, I was playing football and shit when I was young. Oh no way. So, yeah, no, it, it wasn't everything I did. I mean, absolutely everything I did. I, I you, you have to be more specific. I, I want, I want like the first bloody nose you gave someone. I, I, I want like, <laughs> I want you <laughs> laughing because someone went home crying and took their ball and then you chase them down, beat them and took the ball. I want like the younger brother or sibling that you were like messing with. I, I, was, always... just gonna, I was gonna say it's actually my younger brother that yeah. took the brunt of it. I was gonna it. say there has to be the ultra competitive people are usually older siblings that just beat the hell out of the younger ones. <laughs> yeah, I still apologize to my brother for being such an asshole while we were growing up. <laughs> but he or I should say I like he wasn't that competitive and, and I just wanted him to be more competitive and, you know, we'd, we'd play baseball and I'd be pitching and he'd be hitting and, you know, he'd kind of shy away from the ball and I just get, I get super aggro, like, don't be afraid of the ball, <laughs> you know, and I just throw it harder and then maybe, and then throw it at him a couple of times. Like, you know, don't be such a puss and don't be afraid yeah. of the ball, you know, just that kind of crap. Why are you flinching? Yeah. Why are you flinching? Just come on, you know, suck it up. It's not that bad. Yeah, I would just, I mean, everything. It was, it was brutal. And he was actually the first person I gave a bloody nose to. Was he really? <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was pretending to, like, punch him in the face. He's sitting on the couch, and I was taking, you know, just screwing with him. And he started to get up, and my fist met his face, and that was it. I like, I like how you even <laughs> kind of put the onus on him. It's like he was getting up. <laughs> no, it was all on me. It was all on me, but I, I didn't mean to do it. It was just, he got up and yeah, he ran into my fist. What's the, uh, what's the age difference between your brother? Uh, th three years. All right. That's respectable. Was he out of diapers yeah. at least? Did you wait till he was out of yes. diapers before you started doing oh, yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. He was probably, I don't know, nine or 10, maybe a little younger. Gotcha. And then does it continue through high school? Do you play like sports, uh, sports for your school? I played uh, basketball. I played baseball. I played on the boys' teams. And then I played – oh, I played soccer. Yeah, it's just crazy competitive. Yeah, I mean, all really all through my entire life until um, the end of my career. When I, I got PTSD and I had to go through all that. And you, you have to, like, dig in and learn a lot of shit about yourself to get through it. Uh... And that was one of the things was I was so black and white. Everything was, you know, either or either I did really well or I did super shitty and failed. And so working through all that made me just really drop a lot of my competitiveness, which is, is really nice. It's just, like you say, it's just so much happier. Yeah. Because it, it's, you're not, your identity is not based on the results, which. That is exactly right. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And yeah, my whole life, my identity was based on the results. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty athletic and, 
smart in a way, but I'm not like super smart and I'm not super athletic. So I was never going to win, which is probably pretty good. And I really would have been an asshole, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, I was pretty competitive. And then being a woman working in a, in a guy's field too, oh, you yeah, know, right. always trying to prove myself and never, you know, never wanting to let anybody help me. Like I can do it. You know, it's not just cause I'm a chick or whatever. And you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah, so female in a male field. Talk about baseball on the boys team. Is there not a softball team, or are you just that fucking good where they're like, man, we're playing you up? No, there's a softball team, but um, so I tried out for – so there's T-ball. You know, you start at T-ball at like five or whatever. Right. And so I started playing T-ball, and that was for like everybody. Yeah. In fact, there's another, there's another girl on my team. Like everybody plays T-ball together. And I think the next year is when softball starts. I mean, that was, you know, a million years ago. Right. So that's how it was back then. So when the next year came, you know, and you got out of T-ball, I just kept playing baseball. I like baseball and, you know, baseball on TV. There's no softball on TV. I don't want to play softball and play baseball. So, yeah, I played I played baseball until I got into high school. And then I played softball on our uh, high school team. Gotcha. Yeah, right, because then I guess if the sport is offered, you um, play the sport that goes with it. At least that's how it is. Yeah, in I don't want to play. Yeah, play. Yeah, like um, females will wrestle. It's always like talking to some boys who have to wrestle girls. It, it, they, um, a, a, it, it's funny because there, there's two ways that I, the dudes I've spoken to have done it um, think. They're like, there's no fucking way I'm getting beaten here in the shit. So they go out like aggro, right. almost like what you were saying. And then the other ones who were like raised almost like with a lot of empathy are almost like disrespectfully yes. like coddling or like, I don't want to hurt. And it's like, I don't know right. if you should assume that you're going to hurt her, man. She might fucking hurt you, dude. Like I, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, that's exactly right. And I can totally see that. I think as time goes on and more girls are wrestling, it'll, that'll go away. But yeah, that's a very, very, very true. That's pretty funny that, yeah, you shouldn't assume that yeah she's not gonna destroy you yeah exactly it, yeah it's almost just like that um weird arrogance um but i guess i was saying that because like if there's if there was a female wrestling um league or division with the school i think the females would have to then only wrestle females it wouldn't be skills based i believe that's how it works in delaware where if there's a male female team you cannot cross you cannot cross gender play oh yeah i don't know i think in the beginning though they did just because there wasn't oh, hardly yeah. any women yeah, well, I'm talking, yeah, for school-wise now, um, I think, like, publicly it can be yeah. whatever. Oh, like, okay. I, I've seen females play on travel gotcha. teams where you pay because the, they're they're that skilled, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I think awesome. schools still schools still aren't um, – I don't know if they're not willing to or if they don't want to deal with the uh, repercussions of that because it, it also opens it up both ways. Then you could have males go over and just try to be jerks and play on the female side to, you know, score, like, 100 points a game or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I think once you get enough women, then you got to separate it out. Right. Man. So that's awesome. The PTSD for firefight. How'd you get yes. into firefighting? What, um, what drew you to um, the flames? <clears throat> well, I, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I, I kind of do. Um, so, say, did, so, so based did, on my voice, did you grow up? how old would you say? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I turned 39 this summer. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 
Okay, so you're like t- 10 years younger than me. Did you ever watch the show Emergency 51 with Johnny and Roy? Did not. I don't think I've heard of it. Okay, well, it's an amazing 70s firefighting paramedic show. Anyway, so I watched that when I was a kid, and I always thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And then, you know, didn't really think about it. You know, and there really weren't, you don't see women firefighters, so it was never something I thought I could do. You know what I mean? It just didn't enter into my possibility realm right so anyway so i went to high school i went to college and then while i was at school they had like an emt class that i thought would be fun to take just to get my hands on something because chemistry is boring and so i took this emt class (laughs) and then i got a job over the summer on a ambulance uh in vallejo and so i started working on the ambulance and i was just like holy shit this is so much fun so I went to paramedic school, became a paramedic, and I was like, this is way better than sitting in a, you know, in a hospital, I don't know, doing that crap. So uh, so I just kind of stayed on that. I ended up dropping out of school and working full-time. And then um, it's really hard to be have a career as a paramedic because the companies that you work for, they're just – they're private companies and they're for-profit and – you know, they don't pay you very well and benefits suck and you just get treated like garbage. And so, um, Oh really? And then just, yeah, par- private paramedics are just treated like dirt. Which is really yeah. like, I mean, if you think about that for a minute, fucking first responders to help you in so many cases, well, I guess the officers would probably most likely be the first responders, but like the first medical responders no, coming are. at you, yeah. you know, like that's like, do you really want that to those people to feel like, you know, I'm not really appreciated. You know, we're penny pinching like that. Wow. Oh, yeah. They treat, they just, they're treated like shit. When it was the 90s when I was a paramedic on a private ambulance company and I made 625 an hour. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I was right now, so now the way the systems are, there's a lot of paramedics on a scene. But back then, I was, there's only one paramedic on a scene for the most part. So, yeah. So people's, everybody's lives were in my hands for six twenty five an hour. Jeez. But so, I, so yeah, so I didn't, I didn't want to, I mean, I wanted to do it forever, but not, not for six twenty five an hour. And then, and then watch. Yeah, exactly. And then watch what the fire departments are doing. Cause you know, we run calls with them and I was like, wow, that looks like serious fun. And so, um, so I went to a fire Academy and got my firefighter one and started testing for fire departments and, um, got hired and, it was just the greatest thing in the world. I just loved it more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And it's funny cause you've mentioned the fun aspect a couple of times where other people would be like, it's the whole, like, where's the danger? Let me run into it. Like, where's the yes. need? Where's the guts? Where's the gore? Where's the blood? Where, where's, where, where's, where's, ah! let me go there where the majority of people go the opposite yes. way. Right. So what, what's right. so, Right. Is that just that competitive asshole in you where you're like, fuck you, fire, I'm going to beat you. Fuck you, death, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> like, uh, it, I think it, part of it is kind of the competitive you know, thing of, of – it's not really me against the fire. It's me against me and how – like how far can you push yourself. Mm. And I mean it's, it's really hard work. And so, so physically, it's like how hard can I push myself and, I, and it's just – it's just so, it really is. I can't even tell you how much fun it is. It's like people, you know, if a firefighter tells you that they got into the job to help people, they're full of shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a, 
that's an absolute benefit to it, but it's really because it's just like running for me, running into a burning building is way more comfortable than, I don't know, me having to make a phone call to somebody I don't know. Like I'd much prefer like talking on this podcast. Uh, no, this actually isn't bad at all. It's, it's different. Uh, but it, it, it's a, it's just, I don't even know what it is. It's an incredible adrenaline rush. Uh, for me, a big part of it too is, the rest of your world like completely disappears when you're, you know, fighting fire or on, on a call, you don't think about anything else. It could, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It completely all dis- disappears. Gosh. You know, I don't know if you've heard people talk about like athletes and flow and, Oh yeah. You know, 100%. The, the, all that. And, and, and that's what happens when, when you're on, especially a, a, uh, like a critical call or a fire. It's like you're, you just get into that flow state and, Things become really clear for me, and yeah, it's just that incredible state of focus and clarity, and it's a yeah, it's just it's an incredible. It's a, feeling. it seems almost like a yeah. Drug, and then reti- right? once you retire, like a what? Like almost like a drug, right? Like that adrenaline junkie. It, it absolutely. It, it is a drug. It absolutely is a drug. I would definitely yes, and then I mean it's nice to help people too. But, uh, but yeah, it is, it's very much like a drug. And then when you retire and it's gone, it's really hard because there's just nothing to replace it. I, I had some friends who wanted to go zip lining and we went zip lining and everybody's like, Oh my goodness. And I'm like, this is the most boring thing I've ever done. Yeah. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just sitting here, you know, completely hooked up and I know, you know, there's nothing yeah, that's going to no, happen. There's no possibility, right? There's, like you look at it and you're yeah, like, there's, no, there, there's zero problem, like, like 0%, man, 0% chance that there's any sort of yeah, danger. There's, yeah, there's no danger here. There's no... Unpredictability. Unpredictability. Like yeah, there's, you, you go kind of fast, but not that fast and you're high, but not that high. And yeah. Yeah. so, um, so yeah, it's definitely, calling it a drug is a good good way to put it so i've had um one guy uh luke who went on naked and afraid have you seen naked and afraid oh wow you know i've seen uh trailers and stuff far i haven't watched it because i I just who wants to be naked in the woods dude they're they're a different i've spoken to three of them believe it or not wow and um yeah and it's funny because they actually do it a little bit for what you're saying where it's more me battling me and me yeah. wanting this challenge so that I can feel a certain way. Right. Well, Luke was telling me he went out there fucking by himself for 21 days alone, like didn't even have a partner. Uh, and he said by day four, when he saw he hadn't eaten, I believe in four days and he had his bow and I think he saw an Impala and he said he had never felt so fucking focused and honed. He said everything else drops away and there's yeah, nothing yeah. You, you get that almost like what I forget what he called it. It wasn't flow state, but it's exact. It's the exact same thing you're saying where you're so hyper locked in that like even the, mm-hmm. it, it, you feel connected to like just life in a, in a completely Absolutely. Un, unrealistic way to go through life as we see it in society. <laughs> like, no, he's like it's, it's, a, it's amazing. Very, very true. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, exactly, exactly it. Yeah. So then it's, do they, uh, do yeah, it's pretty, like I say, you know, we all, you know, they say we're brave and everything. I mean, we are, we do some, I mean, I've been in situations where I'm like, fuck, I really don't want to do this because this is going to go sideways, but you know, I have to, 
but you know, we, we race to be the first person through the front door. And I mean, I, you have to slow guys down sometimes because they just love it. It's just so just sucks you in. Yeah. Do they, so give I'm sorry, you... you're going to ask a question. No, 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 it's fine. Say that again. I was just going to say, so they have to give you some sort of like, Hey, you qualify as batshit crazy. Ding. You're, you're on to the next level test, right? You mean like before you get hired? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, like, it de- it depends on where on where you go. Some departments have like psychological tests you have to take. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I work for Berkeley. You know, Berkeley's love. You know, peace, love, and happiness. And so, you know, they don't have they don't have any of that because they don't want to infringe on our rights or whatever. Uh, see, but uh, I, yeah, some departments do. Some departments don't. I would think that would be like a huge kind of a plus. No, not like bad shit, crazy is hyperbolic, but like it, it's not. Yes. It, it's not normal, right? Like I, I would say it's above average to see that and want to be the first one to run in there. So you almost need a little bit of that edge in you, I would assume, to be um, super effective. Yeah, definitely, and I, and I think they they see that in the academy because everybody has to go through an academy, and so you know that's that's kind of where they weed people out if they're not they don't have that and it becomes pretty it's pretty obvious when yeah every once in a while you get somebody who doesn't really know what they were in for and they end up you know bailing yeah they run it like i should make a joke i was going to try to make a joke about oven mitts during like lunch and then i was going to be like oh you're the bitch wearing oven mitts grab the pan and then you just (laughs) see like this test of like people holding like a cookie sheet out of the oven of who can hold it the longest that's really funny that's See, that's one of the competitive things we would do. Like, don't put that down. Don't put it down. Exactly. That's, just that's funny at you see oven mitts because we always, our, our uh, turnouts that we wear are like wearing an oven mitt. That's exactly how I feel in it. Right. It's just funny that you said oven mitt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Layman's terms. That's what I would do. If my house caught on fire, I'd grab oven mitts and a garden hose and I'd be like, <laughs> exactly. I'm fine. <laughs> Got this. <laughs> that's awesome. I never thought about the oven mitts. Oh. What did you have a moment in the academy where you were like, "Oh fuck yeah, this is me"? Oh yeah. Well, and I knew it beforehand, just watching them. And um, you know, when I worked in Vallejo as a, a paramedic, I got to know a lot of the firefighters really well. And um, when they do practice or, or uh, you know, like live burn training, they'd always bring me along. I mean, oh no way. And uh, yeah, so the the very first burning house I went into was a training burn and. I remember it's like you get close to the door and your part of your brain is like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. <laughs> and then the rest of you is like, come on, let's go. Like the guy in front of you is not moving fast enough. But then there's a big part of you that is like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be running into this. But then you just, that part ends up shutting up and you just, you go in there. And, and that's one thing that like kind of the difference between new, new guys and gals and uh, people have experiences is the new guys will just, like run in like without any regard for looking what's around them, you know, and seeing the whole picture. And then as you get more experienced, a little bit older and you lose, I mean, you love doing it, but you lose a little bit of that like gung ho, just run straight in. You know, you start seeing more around you because there's a lot that goes into, you know, the first few minutes of a fire. It's not just running the front door. You have to look at the whole building and where it's burning and, and the new guys don't do that. They just want to go running in. So that's why it's so important to have experienced people. Oh, yeah. Kind of pull them back, pull them out back from that. Yeah. Well, it would almost be like coaches and players, right? 
like that, exactly. that, that's kind of the job of going back to that basketball talk we were having earlier. Mm-hmm. Like the the kids are always the newbies for the most part, right? And the real good right. teams have experienced players on the floor because then they can kind of control it. But the the hardest teams to get a hold of is when they're all so energetic and you as the coach are like, Jesus, I know what's going to happen two minutes from now. I can tell by yes. the way you guys are doing shit. This is where we're going to be in the third quarter. Stop. And like, yeah. they don't want to believe you, but that's just, that's life, right? That's youth. That's, that's the beauty of youth is the, um, yes. I don't know if it's ignorance or inexperience or whatever, but the, the passion. Yes, that, you're exactly right. Yeah. I there's a college basketball coach that once she had a bunch of freshmen on her team and she said it was like having a bunch of puppies on her team. <laughs> Right. Like, I, yes. think that's, I mean, it, it is because they just want to do whatever it is. Let's do, let's do, let's do, let's do. And you're like hopping, they're chopping at the bit and you're just like, it's a process, like, man. Slow down. Yeah. Marathon. Yeah. Everything's not a sprint. Exactly. Are, exactly. Are you like geared up while you're a paramedic and the, the firefighters are taking you to that live burn? Or are you more like, is it like a ride along in a cop car where you kind of get to get close, but you don't really get the action or you got like hoses and axes in your hands and all that? Uh, you mean when I was doing the live burns yeah, training that, with the, yeah, but, yeah, no, they, they, they suit you all up and everything. I, I don't, I don't think I didn't have an ax or anything, but we had, you know, you full turnouts and an air bottle and, you know, you go in with the hose line and, you know, a couple other people and, you know, what they'll do is they'll bring you in and, you know, the room that's on fire, you'll kind of sit there for a bit and they'll explain, you know, the, what the fire's doing and then the smoke that you know, is rising and then starts banking down and, you know, there becomes like real temperature gradients where it's really hot up high and it's much cooler and a lot more vision down below. So, you know, they'll teach you all that kind of stuff and then you get to put the fire out. So Dude, it's you, not really, I mean, it could be dangerous, but it's not really that dangerous because everything's very controlled. Right. So that, that completely took me to what you were saying about when you were um, swimming um, off of Alcatraz and you stopped kind of to take the view that mm-hmm. has to be one hell of a new unique view to be in the middle of burning walls. And it's like, you know what? We're actually going to take time and have a conversation. I want to point some things out to you. Like most people, you know, like, <laughs> like it's like, no, yeah. get the fuck out, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. Hot, hot, sweat, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, that, that had to be so surreal to um, be in that kind of environment and learn. I'd never thought about that. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The first time, and there's a lot of classes you can take, and they'll do this in the academies too, where you know they'll have a room that's in the, you know the light of fire in it, and well, they'll, they'll first bring every you know all the cadets or recruits or whatever you want to call them in, and have, they all sit down on the floor, and then um, they talk about some stuff, and then they light the fire, and you're in there for like probably a good 10, 15 minutes, God. just watching the whole process of you know, what the fire does and yeah. how it moves and how the smoke moves and the temperature difference. And, and then, you know, cause for a long time, an undisturbed fire will, the smoke will just keep banking down and banking down. It's like a blanket. And when you're, if you're sitting on the ground, you can see clearly across the floor. And then as soon as that water hits the fire, it completely, it just goes black. It just, everything gets all mixed up and, and so, yeah, they, they do that like you're sitting in there for a while and everything's still clear where you're sitting and then they put the water on the fire and then you can't see shit. You can't see anything. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. God. That's... So it's just like, a, you know, it's just like a lesson in like, okay, so this is what happens when you put, you know, the water on the fire. You might not want to put the water on the fire the very second you get in there. Right. You know, you might want to look around first and see where your exits are and then do it. So, yeah, that's just, you know, like we were talking about, like slowing the puppies down. 
how easy is it to get disoriented? Like, are you just Very constantly battling that? Easy. When, when you're fighting a real fire, um, yeah, it's extremely easy. Because you really, like, I mean, you literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. And so it's it gets really easy. Because if, if you think about it, houses aren't clean. There's shit on the floor right. and all the furniture. Speak for yourself. And fucking organized. I, know. I, got, I got that feng shui in mind. <laughs> Yeah, so it's super easy to get uh, disoriented. Like you go through the front door, and so what we'll do is we'll make a left hand search. Like so, we just we stick close to the left hand side of, or the, you know, the left wall. We go around the, that. Or I should say like our left shoulder to the wall, because if you go if you do that and go all the way around the room, you'll end up back where you started, and or you can do that on the right side, regard whatever you are doing. But once you start getting into different rooms, then and you kind of forget where you are, and especially if you can't see. And firefighters have been found dead, like behind doors or in a closet, just because they got so disoriented they couldn't figure out where they were, or how to oh get out. Oh my god! So yeah, it happens. It happens pretty easily. Yeah, and so the biggest technique then is like they do the. I remember. Um, I think I was went to London to one of those like bush mazes or something when I was a kid, and like uh-huh. people people would start crying, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Dude, put your left hand on the wall and just walk." Right. And eventually, right. no, don't ever take it off, but eventually you will get out. But like when you're exactly. talking to me, it's like maybe I would have got sunburnt, but I don't have like a fucking roof <laughs> that's getting ready to come down on my head if I feel disoriented, you know? That's um. But see, that's also one of the things is that, you know, that's kind of what I was talking about. Like when you first go into a fire is that you, you look and you see where the fire is and how much it's been right. burning. And I mean, there's things that you, you could, will happen that you can't see or can't tell but it's like you you pretty much know when the roof is going to come down so you you know you make that adjustment before you go in gotcha. saying like okay well this fire isn't hot enough hasn't been burning long enough that the roof integrity should be okay but like i said should be you never yeah. know but for the most part and if it's not okay then it's like you know we're not going to go inside and, you know it all depends if there's somebody inside or right. we know there's nobody inside or yeah, it's, I know we we end up killing a lot of firefighters to try and save a house that's just going to be torn down anyways, but that's part of the machismo of the whole thing. Yeah, man, that's a, I didn't even think about that either. That's a great point. Saving a house that's just going to be torn down. Like sometimes it's like, all right, man, like fucking cut your losses. We'll just make sure the homes next to it or whatever don't burn. Like if everybody's exactly. safe, just fucking control it and let it smolder down. Right. No, that's exactly right. And um. Yeah, I just I see it happening too much. I mean, I'm very very aggressive, and I love to be in the middle of a good fire. But you just it's it's the machismo of it. You want to you know be inside and you know do incredible things and walk out like look what I did and right. It's just too much of that. Yeah, and it kills a lot of firefighters. <clears throat> how um? Excuse me. Oh no, you're you're fine. How much um? How like have you had a near death? experience have you been like kind of like bit by that snake or badly burnt or were you pretty fortunate um i was extremely fortunate i was never uh hurt really bad or even bad um i mean i've had a few moments where i was like oh fuck this is it really and then i've had some and then i've had a couple moments where after the fact you know i didn't realize it at the time yeah but then after the fact when everything was over and you walk back over you're like holy fuck i was like five inches 
away from eating it. Yeah. Um, to me, those are even yeah, scarier. It, like the, the, the reflective fuck, I, I, I should be gone. Like those to me are way yeah. more. Um, Cause if you're in the moment, then it's like that fight or flight and it almost like can hone mm-hmm. you to just be like fucking solving this man. I'm, I'm not going out this way. But right. when you look well, back, and then you see it too. It's, Cause it's the unknown that scares the shit out of you. Right. You know? So, um, so yeah, so I've had, I've had, yeah, I've had a few of those. I think everybody does. I've never had like a major, you know, had to call a mayday or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I've had a, a few moments in time. That's for sure. Tell me one of them. What was some time that, um, comes to mind where you were like that? I'm so fucking, so fucking fortunate. It's almost like you almost think of it. Like when people get shot and they're like a quarter inch to the left and I'm paralyzed for life or half an inch up and it would have been in my heart, you know, like, uh, that's yeah. kind of how I'm picturing some of these like, oh shit moments. Well, one of them is, it's like, they, it wasn't incredibly dramatic. It was, uh, I was the driver on the fire engine and the driver, uh, they call them engineers or apparatus operators. They run the pumps and everything. So if they're first on scene, so we were first on scene. And so I was the driver. And so, you know, you pull up next to the corner the house was on the corner and, um, you know, the pump panel is on the outside. And, and so I'm working the pump panel and, you know, just doing my job and going about it. And, you know, everybody else is doing their job and whatever we go along. And then, you know, they, they knocked the fire down and there's actually somebody trapped inside and they got him out. And so everything's, you know, we all stopped us for a minute and I stopped and I just turned to my left and I looked and, um, God, sorry. The uh, power line had come down and was hanging like <laughs> five inches away from me, God. and it was live. Right. And so if I just stepped over there, it would have, yeah, I would have been seriously, seriously injured if not killed. God. I mean, so it's like a, a not big dramatic one, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah, but that's serious. I was. Yeah, that's serious. Fuck, man. Like, I mean, that that, and it's funny because it, it's amazing how. I, and um, I, I served in the military. It was National Guard, so I almost don't want to count it as military. But, you know, you go through basic. So I guess you can say you served you, in yeah, the military. Yeah, you go through it all. Right? Um, but the do-your-job mantra can so focus you in times of crisis. Like, that that's why you mm-hmm. get trained. And I heard you say that several times. Like, you're rolling up and, like, here's the procedure. For a first, you go to the pumps. So I'm just doing my job. I'm going to the pump. And, bo- right. and like, that's almost how these people who serve – get through it by just reminding themselves, do your job. What's my job now? What's the mission? What's the goal? What's the task? Right. You just focus on that. Yeah. But yeah, so doing that, it could easily, you, it can almost take away some of your um, environmental awareness because you're so honed in on your job, dude, a fucking power line right there. Like, that, right. That, it's well, and that's easily. something that you're, you're actually kind of trained for to look for power lines and everything. But this one was, uh, it was like at two o'clock in the morning it was really close to the station, so everybody's still kind of wiping the sleep from their eyes as we were heading out there. And we knew somebody was trapped inside, so we were in that much more of a hurry. Right. And, you know, it was night, and, you know, just seeing a little tiny black wire hanging down, you're, you're just not going to see it until you, everything slows way down. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But like you say, yeah, you just focus in on your job. And, like, I know i got to get these guys water because i got to get this thing knocked down so they can get in and get this guy out and – and yeah, I didn't, didn't see the power line hanging there. How often do you like just toot the horn if you're the driver just for fun? 
Like when when you're going oh. down the street, like you just gotta fucking love hitting that horn to like make cars oh. get out the way. Especially yeah, when people are being a pain in the ass, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, you can just ride on them with that horn. The only thing about the horn is sometimes uh, you'll get a so like a, the captain is the boss of the engine and the captain sits in the front right, and both sides the driver and the captain have. Uh, have pedals for the horns and the sirens so either or can run them or both can run them and when you get a captain that's really heavy on that air horn it, it runs off of our air brakes you know runs out of the same tank oh so you have to tell them like get off the goddamn horn i'm not gonna have any brakes in a minute <laughs> it's kind of funny because yeah you'll get some that are just like really love that horn but yeah the horn's pretty fun it's pretty fun to go blaring through intersections and and uh yeah people who are being a pain in the ass riding the horn yeah, I was I was gonna say, and I don't, I don't want you to expose yourself to criminal liability, but you, oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm going I'm going to like Dick Trickle Days of Thunder. If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. Like, oh yeah, are are you like bumper to bumper? Just just to kind of get the feel of oh, didn't think I was that close. Did did that ever anything like that ever happen? Where you're like, I'm gonna get this motherfucker to go on the whatever the shoulder. That crosses your mind quite often. Um, <laughs> and there's people who I would love to just hit because they're being such dicks. But uh, those, the thing about that, those engines, and I, I don't mean to be like a goody tissues, but those engines are so heavy. We carry 500 gallons of water. Oh, uh, yeah. They just don't stop. You know, they don't right. stop on a dime. They don't stop on a dollar bill. They don't, they just don't stop very well at all. So you really have to be really conservative with it or you're actually going to plow into somebody it's like you can be the greatest driver in the world but especially in a congested city like berkeley berkeley's pretty much a small version of san francisco we have like 150,000 people in 10 square miles yeah i I don't understand how y'all fucking navigate those big ass trucks in urban areas man and get anywhere right like i mean it's fucking like um so i would refer more to like my knowledge of just new york city and density but yeah how the fuck do you get several blocks to tens and 20 blocks with traffic the way it is right like getting through those people what a pain in the ass yeah sometimes it just takes a while you know you can yeah and especially when people are douchebags about they're like oh i'll just turn left really quick and just totally screw everything up (laughs) so yeah sometimes it can be a bitch but our ladder trucks you know the really long trucks you know there's a guy in the back that steers which really helps a lot so you can get through really kind of narrow, funky little turns and stuff. But yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's something to be proud of. Say you you were a driver in Berkeley or San Francisco because it's, it's pretty gnarly. And all those people are so entitled that they just step off the curve right in front of you, thinking that you know, oh, shit. I'm a pedestrian. I have the right of way. Yeah. Oh my dude, I didn't even think about that. That's like fucking Grand Theft Auto type shit right there. Where yeah, just people plucking... step out in front of you all the time. Are you God? That is entitled. God, I, I don't get it. Very entitled. What um? So, and if you don't mind me asking, not to be too traumatic, but what caused? No, you can ask anything. Yeah, you had said you went through some PTSD that kind of for, forced you to retire, or that was like the last stone to retirement. Well, uh, so what happened is, um, so my PTSD was cumulative, and so I I did twenty five years. I did. Um, I can't remember the breakdown, but anyways, I was, I was basically their paramedic or firefighter for 25 years. Wow. And so I was cruising right along and, um, we had a fire fatality, a fire was a fatal fire and 
um, I was supposed to, my company, my engine company was supposed to find this guy and we couldn't, we didn't find him. And somebody else found him like way late in the game. And the guy was already dead. There's no way anybody would have made a difference. But for some reason that call just bugged the shit out of me. And so I started having PTSD symptoms and, and that went on for a while. And I went, you know, and it's something that you don't talk about because you're considered weak if you, uh, you know, if you say that, uh, you know what I mean? These things are bothering me. I'm having anxiety and I can't sleep and blah, blah, blah. So you just don't tell really? anybody. Do you think that's changed oh, yeah. later on now with like the awareness of mental health? Or do you think that's still kind of like a similar keep it to it's yourself? Just, it's just starting to change. It's just, When I was there, like our department never talked about PTSD. I didn't know first responders could get PTSD. That was just something for you know, war veterans, yeah, people, right. and, you know, soldiers. And so, it, you know, it's funny though, too, because the conversation has started and it's gotten a lot more open, but it's still, almost, it's still like, it's okay for somebody else to get it. Uh, right. You know, like if one of your coworkers gets it, you understand what it is and you're not going to judge them. But if you get it, you still don't want to tell anybody because you're, you're afraid of people judging you. And then you, ju- you know, you're going to judge yourself. Like I judge the shit out of myself. Like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, well, so I'm I, just thinking, especially from the little bit I know of you, you you're you're taking that as a loss. You're taking that as like oh, something's sh- beating you. And it, yes. again, if you're that ultra competitive type person, fucking losses keep you up. Yes, you are absolutely right. I I was like, I am a failure, like an absolute yeah. failure. I never, never mind that I did 25 years. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like perfectly fine. But yeah, no, I, I felt like I was a complete failure. And then being a woman too, you know, I felt like I was a really big failure because that's kind of what they expect of women, you know, oh, you can't handle a job. Oh, and, shit. Um, so yeah, so it was a big stigma and I didn't tell anybody and I finally had to take some time off. I got off one morning from work and I'd start crying on the way home from work and I'd start crying even at work and I'm oh, not wow. a crier. Like I just never cry. And so I was like, okay, this is wrong. And so anyways, one morning I got off work and kind of everything just came tumbling down on top of me. And I, I was like, I'm done with this. I, I can't go back to work, but I didn't want to, I was so full of shame. I didn't want to tell anybody at work that I couldn't do it. And so I was basically like looking for a way to off myself because I just couldn't do it anymore. You mean suicide then, you know, or you mean like kill myself? Yeah. Holy yeah, no, suicide. shit, dude. Because, uh, and it was even like, okay, if I drive into this tree going hundred miles an hour, even if I'm just in a coma for a month, I can escape all the shit that's going on in my head for a month. And I don't have to go to work and I don't have to tell them that, you know what I mean? I was too, in my opinion back then, I was too weak to do my job. Did you ever so discover that, what it was about that particular call that triggered all this? Like when, when you're in those <clears> sessions, <throat> did they like drill down to like, it, it connected to a particular memory or like it just brought in 25 years of something. Yeah. A lot, a lot of what you said actually hits a nail on the head. A lot, of, a lot of things are from, you know, they kind of tie into something from the past. I, I think this one for me, it's like, you kind of like, I liken it to having a box. So I have a box in my head and, you know, I go on a shitty call, I throw the call in the box and I close the lid and I go on. And then, you know, one day your box is just full and your brain just has had so much trauma, it just can't do it anymore. And, and then everything. Fuck. 
darkness comes pouring out. And so I think that's what happened with me on this. I mean, I felt like a big failure, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what happened for me. Was it just, it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Man. And that's what happens to a lot, a lot of people is it's, it's just cumulative after a lot of years. Yeah. And if, especially if you're not in a culture where you're able to talk and kind of be open with some partners or some coworkers about like where you're at to just feel supported, you know, to feel like it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that shit's going to get dense and pressurized real quick in your head. Yeah. God, dude. You know, like I said, everybody, you know, everybody wants to be the first person through the front door. And so, I mean, even if you, you know, are a seasoned person and you're like, you know what, the conditions in there are just shit. We're not going in there. You know, people automatically start going, what's the matter? Are you afraid? Are you afraid? It's like, no, I don't want to kill all of us for nothing. You know, so it's such a machismo career or you know place to be and i mean it's getting it's getting better but it's you know just really take some leaders to step up and say that you know it's okay not to go into a burning or or a building where you're pretty sure you're all going to get killed you know for nothing and it's it's okay you know and the whole thing like they say it's okay to not be okay right so um so yeah so i ended up i left that morning at work and i ended up just never going back um you know, I ended up seeing a therapist and I ended up going to this retreat for uh, first responders with PTSD. Cool. And, and, you know, that's what my podcast is all about. But I, I, would, I would have loved to go back to work, but my PTSD, you know, just like the, the trauma my brain had incurred was just was too much. Like I could have gone back and done my job. I have no doubt about that. But it would have, you know, the toll it would have taken would have just been not worth it at all. Who convinced so, yeah, so you to go to therapy? Was that your wife or <laughs> you just knew like you're just fucking broken and you're like, dude, I got to or else I'm a, I'm a fucking hurt myself. So yeah, I went, I went to therapy on my own. Wow. So that fatal fire was in September of 2013. And then and by the time May came around, I was like, there's something wrong. And so I decided to, so I went to go to a therapist, but it wasn't kind of like, you know, let's get through this. I was like, let's just fix this so I can go back to work. Like, it was almost like, <laughs> just just show me how to put the lid back on the box so just, I go back to work. Just the tune-up, I mean? man. Fuck it's a fucking inside. oil change, okay? Can we get the transmission it, flushed it, and then I'm good to go? Ex- <laughs> exactly. I know the rest of the car's falling apart, but just put a new fucking transmission in and we'll be fine. <laughs> so that was the attitude that I took. Um, Speaking <laughs> of machismo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, just fix this. I'm just, and you know, and it's like, I think you said, you kind of said it before, mm-hmm. you know, I've been able to overcome anything in my life. Any challenge I saw, I would do it and accomplish it. And I, this is like the one thing I just could not fucking yeah. overcome. And yeah. so that drove me crazy too. So, um, so yeah, it, it, I didn't really start getting better until I went to that retreat, you know, where I sat there and they have six clients, you know, a bunch of cops and firefighters and, paramedics and dispatchers and and then they have a bunch of peers there too who have gone through the program before so you just look around and like oh my god there's like 20 people in here who have gone through what i've gone through and so you finally realize that you're not alone and that really was what makes a difference yeah that's that power of group therapy and allowing you to be vulnerable and you had even said it too about like you know you were growing up and there weren't female firefighters and like so it doesn't register that i can be a female firefighter so if you don't see other people who have dealt with this as accepting it, dealing with the emotion and coming out. Okay. On some level inside, there's still that doubt of like, will I be okay? Even if I like go down this therapy road, is it going to make a fucking difference? 
you know that's um, yeah that, that, yeah that's the power of group no, totally man. yeah it made it it made all all the difference in the world so um so yeah man that's I, I think that's a powerful message um for people to understand how um how these people that are you know lives are on the line it's not just their life it's lives and seeing that um yeah. how them needing to be able to have that ther- those therapeutic type of relationships for mental health is um it, it's just it, they it, it it's wellness right like it's physically like if they had the flu you would offer medicine or you would be sympathetic about like oh man fucking sucks body aches or oh jesus you're puking that's terrible you know like you would talk about that shit but you wouldn't talk about the feeling of taking an L being vulnerable it's it's it is it's it's a weird cultural thing but i am glad that i think with the the exposure of the importance of mental health that um that should be changing and i think people growing up are more open to expressing their emotions like that yeah you really hit the nail on the head with all of what you just said um yeah in fact we talk about it all the time you know when you try to talk to somebody who you know has ptsd but they're like oh i'm fine and uh you're like, okay, well, if you broke your leg, you'd go, you know, get a cast and you'd get it fixed. But, you know, they talk about like you, if you have diabetes, you're going to take insulin. So what's the difference between, right. you know, having PTSD? Because it actually is, phys- depression is too. They're physiological um, injuries. You yeah, know, the brain body, shape change. Yeah, body changes. Your, the chemical change. Yeah, it actually changes. So why wouldn't you go get that fixed too? And so people are just starting to understand that and talk about it and like our my department had absolutely nothing for like any peer support or nothing i mean it was just never ever ever talked about and then and again but dude that's hilarious with the berkeley thing because you kind of said it also right like peace love like this mental awareness and it's like shouldn't that fucking be like the epicenter of mental health (laughs) yeah but that's the city you know what i mean that's the city and the residents the fire department and the cops are we're just same as any other fire department or cops. Yeah. Um, so uh, I totally lost my track. Of well, that's because I interrupted um, you. But yeah, no, I was we're talking about no, everybody's talking about it more finally. And oh, when I left, uh, and then somebody, I had a lot of people tell me like I was the very last person on earth they thought that would happen to. And then another guy got PTSD and he left. And then our, it was actually our union that said like, "Fuck, we got to do something." we don't, you know, we can't afford to lose any more people. Right. You know, or have our people going through this. So yeah, so they started a peer counseling uh, support team and they're actually doing a really good job and it's, it's really helping out a lot. So yeah, so things are changing. It's really good to see. And, you know, like I said, that's why my podcast is to uh, just get the message out there and let people know they're not alone and hear the stories of other people who've gone through it and that they made it through and, because the thing is, when you have PTSD, you just lose all hope. You have absolutely no hope. You're just like, this is just never going to get better, and life sucks, and there's nothing I can do. What's so, the name of your podcast? Uh, the Firefighter Deconstructed. Firefighter Deconstructed. I like it. Clever. Thanks. That tagline is uh, the human inside the uniform. Human inside. So Dude, th- that, that's a great point, too. And I've seen that with my... um daughter when she goes um when she was younger she would go to the firehouse and they were huge on like watch me put on the jacket i'm a person inside watch me put on the helmet i'm a person and like helping come touch me kids i'm still me and 
that shit not only can be scary to a kid, but can also be very like easy to forget. Like it's not a uniform, it's a person. That's so cool that you said that. I never thought of that. Cause yeah, we do that all the time with kids. Just so they're not afraid of us. Yeah. Cause you dude, know, cause that's that the last shit. thing we want. If we're searching for them in a house fire and they go running off. Yeah. That's but it's like I never thought about that, how we do that, like, forever, but never actually thought about the fact that you're just still a person inside of there. That's yeah, cool, yeah, actually. it's almost like that same message, right? But you're doing it for a different it's reason exactly. with the kid. But the adults, like, the firefighters need it too, right? Like, gather around, coworkers. I'm putting on my jacket, but I'm still a person on the inside <laughs> putting That's on awesome. my boots. <laughs> and then, like, the mental health aspect is really would be the focus of it. Like, now my feet want to run. I'm still a person on the inside, you know, and like, so here's cool. my helmet. I still have thoughts and fears and doubts, but I'm a person on the inside. Like it visually, it just like makes sense of man. Like it, you can easily forget that because it's part of your identity. Victories are part of your identity. The uniforms part of your identity, Right. you know, and right. it's a, it's important for them to know, especially if they're serving, man, like they're fucking, they're serving. People are safer because of them and their efforts. Like it, it, right. it, it's okay if they fucking need some help too, you know? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and just a point I want to make too before uh, we have to go, this, the statistics are pretty phenomenal about uh, first responders who had um, pretty shitty childhoods. It's amazing. And, you know, one of the things when you think about it is like, you know, we grew up in chaos and, you know, just shit and having to pretty much take care of ourselves or take care of other people or our siblings or whatever. And, most first responders had shitty childhood. It's like male police officers. That's something like the number of the percentage of male police officers that were molested as kids is like 60%. It's some astro- astronomical number. And it's, it's, you know, cause we do well in chaos and we, we've flourished in that environment. And, you know, and then we also want to, you know, protect other people and rescue other right. people because we were never rescued or protected or whatever. And then I so bet you a, big... a lot of it too is like control. Now I have control. Yep. I have authority. I have power over what, when I was powerless. You are exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Is control is a huge thing. And, um, yeah, you really, really hit the nail on the head. That's man. absolutely right. Yeah, that's just man, being able I to control not... your environment and what's happening around you, and you know, take this crazy chaotic scene and and control it. I right. mean, that's basically what we do. God. Well, I, I know we're on a time crunch, but I want to do one last thing before you go, um, which is a yeah, a, absolutely a, a pivot um, from that topic because it, it's a shame when you don't have time to deep or to dive into stuff. Um, but all I that know. to say, thank you for your time this far, and get ready to tell a story. So. Have you actually made it through one of my marathon multi-hour podcasts to the very end? I listened to, I started listening to Devin. Was it Devin, the Hawaii guy? Dylan? Yeah. Dylan. I listened to most of that. I didn't make it to the end and that's only because I had to stop what I was doing. It's okay. Nobody has. There's zero people on the earth who have actually, out of the um, 1,100 listeners. Are you serious? No, I don't know. I just like to be hyperbolic. (laughs) But if you made it to the (laughs) end, you would know what's coming. So I'm assuming you don't know what's coming. Oh, I don't know what's coming then. You're right. Let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. All right. My best <laughs> first. 
Okay, you're going to have to explain that to me. Oh, everyone says it. Don't feel bad. So best for last, like dessert for last, it's the best. So think of a story because it's a getting to know you pod. I enjoy a good first experience story. So the best first time you blanked for last. Last thing we get to hear from you. And I love putting the pressure on people to spontaneously have to think and then they start feeling the guilt of, oh my God, if I say this is the best, will someone feel like I left them out or this is not important? <laughs> well, that is a point. It's like, oh, is this a very good story? Um, well, I wouldn't say it was, it was, can I, it was like the second day of our academy. Sure. Was it the first day of our academy? But it was the first day we went and so I, uh, the, they didn't have our like little uniforms in that we had to wear during the academy. This was at Berkeley. And, um, see now I'm like, Oh, this isn't going to be very good. But anyway, I'll tell it anyways. <laughs> so, so I'm a, I'm a coffee whore. And so I stop and I get coffee on the way in and I'm wearing a long sleeve white t-shirt and I don't know, a pair of jeans. And so I'm about, I don't know, five minutes out and I fucking like hit a bump or something. And I just, I think the lid was on all the way on or something. Anyways, this entire <laughs> cup of coffee ends up on my shirt. And this is a day that we have to go around to all the stations and meet everybody. Ah, first like, impression. Oh my God. I'm going to first impressions. And then you're going to be so, like, Hey, coffee stain. And that's going to be your nickname for the rest of your fucking career. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah. So I walked into the, I walked into the classroom and I was one of the later pre, I wasn't late, but I was one of the last people to get there just cause I had stopped to try and clean my car up a little bit. <laughs> and I walk in and everybody just looks at me and I'm like, I just, all I could think of to say was, I go, if anybody didn't get their coffee, they're more than welcome to come and suck on my shirt. <laughs> and so I was just trying to break that. You know, I don't know any of these people. It's only the second day of our academy and you're That's trying so to true. you know be all cool and everything. And yeah. And then we had to go to every fucking station and meet everybody with this fucking giant coffee stain oh. on my shirt. How did they not it throw was... you a t-shirt, man? Someone had to have something or were you just not willing to ask? <laughs> uh, you know, I never crossed my mind. Never, ever crossed my mind to to ask <laughs> i'm sure they just wanted to watch me suffer in fact we even went to the uh the t-shirt you know to get our you know because we all wear t-shirts you know berkeley fire t-shirts underneath our uniforms so yeah those fuckers didn't even give me a t-shirt when we went there i didn't even think of that <laughs> see how we treat each other <laughs> you, right well dude that is kind of like one of the weird dynamics and i see it in the basketball locker rooms in middle school like even though you're very like close and you like put your lives in each other's hands there's something about just being a dick to each other that i don't know why it's appealing but it's fucking appealing right it is it's like if you tell somebody that you don't like broccoli you're guess what you're eating broccoli every fucking dinner yeah and it like lord help you if you leave your whatever fucking bagged lunch in the refrigerator because those fuckers will take everything and just put in a broccoli head (laughs) <laughs> yeah we used to like if the you know work at a multi uh unit uh station you know the truck would go out on a call in the middle of the night and we'd sneak in there and you know set their alarms at like five o'clock in the morning and you know <laughs> shit like that or just it's because we, we love a, you we had a, i could start going now i get to start on a roll like we had a guy who had i don't even remember what kind of car it was but he just couldn't stop talking about the gas mileage and all of us were like shut the fuck up we don't care anymore <laughs> and so he so he people started um adding gas to his gas tank and he's like well holy shit and then they started taking gas away and 
oh, they just fucked with him. It was so goddamn funny. This other guy got a brand new motorcycle, and he's like, you know, this big Harley, and he's right. so awesome and everything. And people would go out and just take little drops of oil and put it under his, his motorcycle. So he's out there taking the whole thing apart, trying to find <laughs> where the oil leak. Right. Well, it's like because you're on the hurry up and wait schedule, right? So you're sitting around, yeah, exactly, and, and you you can't be like just fucking I don't, I don't know, like doing nothing. But you're all hanging out together, and you're almost like fucking bored, and you're like. Why, why do people go to that let me just fuck with them place but it's amazing oh, that man. they do it, it, it is <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing it's pretty fun though but yeah it, i could go on for days about all that kind of shit we did to each other shut the fuck it's up awesome. about your prius hey hey jim oh i know jim, go, go out exactly. there and go, go go take five gallons out of his prius <laughs> yeah they just siphon a little bit out at a time and then a little bit more and then he'd be like god i don't understand you know my gas mileage just you know shit and then it's like well have you checked your air inflation on your tires and then all of a sudden you exactly. just start pumping a ton of gas in there and then he's like that air pressure was so That's... right <laughs> i get like 20 more get miles of the gallon now oh shit i love it good times I'm, yeah dude it, but like those are it's funny though too because like it's almost like the de-stress of the seriousness of the situations where you fuck with each other just to like be able to laugh right and be able to yeah yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, and our humor is just it's there's so, things that we say that if the public heard it, they just would be horrified. But that's yeah. that's how we deal with it. Right. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. that quote unquote locker room talk where Yes. Yeah, it's um it, yeah, it's just it, it it's its own cult and it's funny because the military was very much the same way and basketball can very much be the same way. Where like Yeah they just have their own and that's what people miss. You miss being a part of those times you know, the most, well, not the most, but that's a huge part of it is you miss being part of that. Um, yeah, so, you know, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Christy, it was great to relive and get some insights into that time. It was great getting to know just a little bit of you. I, I really appreciate you rescheduling me and uh, figuring out time for me to uh, listen. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You're, you're a pretty wise guy. I like, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this talk a lot. It was great. Yeah, it's it's neat. I I'm, One day I want to become like a, a personality profile profiler mm -hmm. like i want to work for the cia and like just look at people and be like oh i know 38 things about them because i went i was the co i was the founder of the getting to know you pod i can now analyze people <laughs> and anticipate <laughs> like you're pretty you're pretty perceptive and wise in that area i will have to i'll have to yeah. say you catch on to things way quicker than a lot of people do i'm i'm pretty impressed yeah, it's because I'm completely inept in just about every other aspect of my life. <laughs> so it's all it's all bottlenecked into this one place. <laughs> Did you come up with the artwork for your podcast? I actually, yeah, I took the picture. I forget. It might have been three or four I glasses of red wine in. And um, it was actually the first pick I took for it when I was putting the idea together. And then um, Kristen, who's number 28, um, she was kind of our 29, um, reflecting with me. <laughs> 20, uh, 29th guest on the episode for to be clear that's what i figured you yeah, meant yeah. yeah um but like she added the color scheme to it and was just kind of trying to like fuck around with the filters uh-huh but yeah like the image i was just like that'd be kind of if you're getting to know you like the headphones and whatever like binoculars and like i like the 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 creativity like the what it's no oh, it's a it's really cool it's i think it's one of the coolest ones i've seen i'm yeah it's right? really neat yeah yeah thank you thank you for that and um shout out to her for um filtering it and i think she actually put the getting to know you words across the middle which i did not have at first um but i still if it ever becomes something valuable i believe i still own 100 percent of the artistic rights for the record oh perfect <laughs> for the record <laughs>
right now, okay? For officially Tuesday, trademarked. Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. Exactly. That's awesome. Cool, man. Well, thank you, Christian. Good luck with your podcast. Um, and good luck just with life in general. Enjoy that bay, man. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It was nice to get to know you. And, and bye. I've All right. All right, bye. Thanks to Christy for giving up her time, for um, being vulnerable enough to share those stories, and for her podcast um, that she started in order to help those who serve deal um, with the stigma of PTSD that comes along with it. The, men the mental things that people who run into burning buildings go through, I, I, I can't imagine. So it's awesome that she's trying to give them a platform and let them know that it's okay to be vulnerable when um, your job demands strength. It's awesome. Um, thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the pod. Go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And finally, if you haven't already, please friend or follow the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Click the subscribe button on Spotify, Apple, or whatever application you pushed play on. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a sponsor of the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you got to do is message us. Later.